Well, every blessing to you all. Welcome back to my open air pulpits. A very happy new year to all of you. This has to be the warmest January the 1st I have ever experienced. This is my 10th year up to the open air pulpit. <laughs> and it feels like the spring. It's incredibly mild, almost double figures, would you believe? Uh, but like I like to say every year, if the previous year wasn't a great year for you, it could be down to uh, financial problems, spiritual problems, emotional problems, uh, spiritual issues. May I suggest you read the scriptures all the way through, start in Genesis and go all the way through, or go from Genesis to Psalms to Matthew, get a great blessing, clear the system out. I am still working through the Old Testament myself, and as of last night, I arrived at Esther, a fascinating Old Testament book, a Jewish queen marrying a gentile king and of course she represents jesus and the king represents the church go to genesis chapter 3 please a great place to begin this new year's day video and if you want to clear out the cobwebs read the scriptures if it takes six months 12 months 18 months so be it don't rush it the more i read the scriptures the more i rediscover truths in fact this past sunday i just finished exodus chapter 33 and please join me this coming sunday when i begin in exodus chapter 34 rediscovering some real gems but also discovering some hidden treasures and lord willing i will look at some of those verses from exodus 33 shortly but i thought we would begin this new year's day video from a very mild open air pulpit and please excuse some of the flies it feels like spring <laughs> they should be hibernating but they are not but i thought we would start in genesis chapter 3 looking at the subtlety the subtlety of the devil the serpents he's not called a liar and a murderer for nothing his main purpose is to sow discord among the brethren cause confusion muddy the waters and the more you read the scriptures, the more you try and take a stand for the Lord, the more he will come at you. Not always directly, but many times indirectly. And he will come at you many times through the scripture, like a verse without a context as a pretext. 3, 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And he should be as gods, knowing good and evil. He makes three statements from verse 5. He lies in verse 4, but verse 5 is the main focus for this piece of scripture. He says, you are no good from evil, which is true. And he also says uh, that your eyes will be opened, which is also true. But the middle part of verse 5, and ye shall be as gods, is not true. It's a blatant lie. Adam and Eve knew there was only one true, eternal God. And the serpent arrives. He approaches Eve because Eve, according to Peter, is the weaker of the two vessels. Man is over the woman. Woman is over the children. And the father is over the son, being God the father over God the son. We believe in one God, just for the record. One being, three in person. I'm a Trinitarian. I make no apologies for that and it is unfortunate that for those of us who are trinitarian we have to reaffirm this biblical truth this sacred fact 
uh, to dispel some of the attacks that come out of the mouths of anti-Trinitarians. Serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die, that's a lie. Of course she would die spiritually, not physically. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, that was true. And ye shall be as gods, that was not true, knowing good and evil. So he is a liar, a murderer from the beginning. He has been very successful in mixing truth and error. The Church of Rome are the worst when it comes to that. They take the Trinity, which is true. They take the Incarnation, which is true. They take the Second Coming, which is true. They take the Miracles, which is true. And they mix those biblical truths with Mariolatry, priestly intercessions, purgatory, indulgences, so on and so forth. And they create a false wicked counterfeit religion and over one and a half billion people are completely deceived uh, by such a system but it's interesting he says you'll be like gods and if you listen to some of these anti-trinitarians modalists oneness people they like to say that we believe in gods in a plural sense and as i read through the old testament this morning i'm going to show you some other places where in many ways anti-trinitarians think just as the heathen thought they think just as the infidels thought back in biblical times they are being led by the spirit of the devil of course for god doth know that in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened true and ye shall be as gods not true knowing good and evil Go to 1 Samuel chapter 4, it is pitiful uh, when people attack the Trinity. It's one thing to say, uh, such a person cannot comprehend it and who can, and how such a person is going to continue to study it, which is fair enough. But to become a radical anti-Trinitarian, to ridicule it, to reject it, to mock it like Judge Rutherford would do, from the Jehovah's Witnesses, he would say that the Trinity was a three-headed monster. I mean, talk about burying yourself. Talk about damning yourself. First Samuel chapter 4. But if you've been around these anti-Trinitarians, uh, anti if you've spoken to these anti-Trinitarians, or people in general who are into the oneness position, they are being led by a spirit. It starts in Exodus, uh, Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Genesis chapter 3. I've just finished Exodus 33, so forgive me for that, but it, it starts back in Genesis chapter 3, but it continues. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 4, and uh, look at verse 7. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing hitherto for the Philistines, pagans, infidels, enemies of David and Saul worship Dagon, the fish god, the Pope wears his hat, the fish symbol, and you would expect the Philistines to have a completely flawed understanding of the god that the Jews worship. Look at verse 8, woe unto us, who shall deliver us out to the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness, mighty gods, capital G, go back to Genesis chapter 3, you'd be like gods, lowercase g, but it's the same sort of a thing. The Mormons are aiming to become like gods 
Hindus, Buddhists are very careful what they eat. They are fearful that they may eat deceased relatives. Every good Buddhist, every good Hindu, quote unquote, <coughs> wants to be reincarnated at a higher level in life, a better station in life. Woe unto us! Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? Mighty gods, you Trinitarians, you believe in three gods, that's what they say. And they make fun of our belief in one being, but three in person. These are the gods that smoke the Egyptians. The Jews didn't believe in gods in a plural sense. They believed in one God, Exodus chapter 20. With all the plagues in the wilderness, go to Daniel chapter 4. So you would expect the Philistines to be completely back to front when it came when it came to understanding the one true god they believed in many gods satan wants to be worshipped he's not called the god of this world for nothing <coughs> excuse me paul says uh, <coughs> to the pagans they believe in gods and lords but to us there's only one god the father of our lord jesus christ you see how the serpent worked back in the garden he approached Eve got her to question the Lord, got her to betray the Lord, caused her to fall, and when she fell, she fell hard. And when Adam fell, he fell hard. And from this moment on, everyone is born in sin, rebellion. But it's fascinating, 1 Samuel 4, go to Daniel 4, something with the fours. Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 4, look at verse 8. But at the last... Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirits of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen, and the interpretation thereof. Belshazzar, a pagan name, given to him by, ne uh, by a Nebuchadnezzar and he too believed in many gods Nebuchadnezzar that is not Belshazzar and you would expect Nebuchadnezzar to see gods in a plural sense inside of Daniel a blasphemy a misrepresentation of Daniel's belief in the one true God but it's a reoccurring theme isn't it it starts back in the garden it goes to first uh, <clears throat> Samuel uh, concerning the Ark of the Covenant being confiscated, uh, taken off into the camp of the Philistines. They don't know what to make of it. God's plural. You'd be like God's knowing good and evil. Today, people kick against a trinity, like I say, make fun of what we believe. And here, we're back in Daniel chapter 4, Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirits of the holy gods. Holy gods? James says that there is only one God, the devils believe there is only one God, and they tremble. So it's all very well to say, well, you believe in one God, or we believe in one God, and we do, but you have to do something with that faith. You have to appropriate the atonement. You have to put your seatbelt on, if you will. Go back to 1997, when Princess Diana was traveling around Paris with her Islamic lover, back of a car, traveling at speed. What didn't she do? She didn't put her seatbelt on. It would have taken less than two or three seconds, didn't put it on, the car was involved in an incident, the car crashed, three fatalities, all because Diana didn't put on her seatbelt. Put on 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Appropriate the atonement. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Never mind science, philosophy or psychiatry. Get born again. Get under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. That much is true. Daniel was a remarkable man, had the spirit of the God, not the spirit of the holy gods. But again, you're dealing with a pagan. And what's coming out of the mouth of Nebuchadnezzar, what came out of the mouth of the serpent, what came out of the mouth of the Philistines, is coming out of the mouth of these anti-Trinitarians. Go to chapter 5. Chapter 5. And look at verse 10. Now the queen by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him. Well, not gods in a plural sense, but God in a singular sense. But again, she's a lost woman. You would expect her to credit Daniel, or credit her gods, uh, equipping Daniel with his knowledge. We would expect that, wouldn't we, from an unsaved woman? Whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, true, astrologers, true, Chaldeans, true, and soothsayers, true. This is all true. Going back to the devil. You know good from evil. That was true. For as much as an excellent spirit, a knowledge and understanding, interpretation of dreams, and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, that's true, whom the king named Belshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. It's partly true. It's partly true. Going back to three. 5, Genesis 3, 5 Eyes will be opened, true Knowing good and evil, true Be like God's, not true And that's how the devil works He gives you X amount of truth And then throws in X amounts Of non-truths, heresies False teachings Go to Jeremiah chapter 10 Jeremiah chapter 10 Jeremiah chapter 10. Look at verse 11. Thus shall you say unto them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. So that is true. Gods, in a plural sense, for the most part, don't exist, although people hold to a belief in God in a plural sense. But here, Jeremiah is quite rightly dismantling such a heresy. Look at verse 12. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom, and has stretched out the heavens by his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causeth the vapours to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain, and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. You want to worship him? This is how you do so. Don't waste five minutes listening to unsaved people, 
heretics, false teachers, muddying the waters. We would expect the Philistines, we would expect the wife of the first king during the time of Daniel, we would expect the Philistines to come out with such nonsense. God's plural, spirit of the holy gods, we would expect that, but people today calling themselves King James, Bible believers, attacking the Trinity, calling us polytheists. We believe in one God who is three in person. This shouldn't be difficult uh, for those of us which are saved to appreciate and take a stand on. But again, go back to what I just said a few minutes ago. Satan is very religious. He will take worship any way he can get it. He's called the God of this world for a purpose. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers in the high places. Go to Exodus chapter 33. So like I say, this past Sunday, I was able to finish Exodus chapter 33, and I'm still on track to finish Exodus by probably February, March at the very latest. And from Exodus 33, there's an interesting uh, verse or two which... I know can cause confusion to people who are trying to work out who appears back in the Old Testament. Is it the Father? Is it the Son? Is it the Holy Ghost? Exodus 33, look at verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. The Lord... Elohim speaks to Moses face to face go down to verse 18 and he said Moses said I beseech thee show me thy glory go to John chapter 14 so Moses sees the Lord a conversation is taking place and he says to the Lord I've seen your miracles I know you are called I am that I am you've already uh, delivered us out to the hands of the Egyptians we never thought it could or would ever happen but please, Lord, now show me your glory. Reassure me uh, that there's more to you than just miracles. And John chapter 14 also gets quoted uh, by our modalist friends. And I'm trying to be gracious when I say that, because I know some of these people are coming out of the modalist movements. There are several people online who are no longer part of this modalist movements and are now returning to the Trinitarian camp. Welcome back. Praise the Lord for your return. John 14, 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet has I not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So this gets quoted by the modalist to say, well, there you are, you see. He's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But go back to the question. That was first put to the Lord from Exodus 33, 18. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. Go to John 17. One of the reasons why you should read the scriptures each and every day is to grow in grace, to be a blessing to the brethren, but also to help yourself. Help yourself. People get tossed to and fro because for the most part they are too lazy to study. You told a study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. John 17, John 17, look at verse 
for I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. The word of God is eternal, has always been eternal, from everlasting to everlasting. And here, the Son is speaking to the Father. It's a conversation. People don't speak to themselves and get a response. People that speak to themselves are in asylum centers. But here, for I have glorified thee on the earth, Son speaking to the Father, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. If you think the Father sent the Father to die for the sins of the world, now the Father spoke to the Father while the Father was on the cross, you are more confused than a Jehovah's Witness. Jump down to verse 22, and the glory, and the glory, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, as we are one. He's speaking about the apostles, a group of men. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Judas, of course, will kill himself. Matthias will replace him. And down the line, Paul will come, uh, come along. And Barnabas will come along. <coughs> different men, different ages, different backgrounds. But they are seen in the eyes of the Lord as one. One in unity. Not one in person. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Go to Isaiah uh, 63. So Moses sees the Lord from Exodus 33 a conversation uh, takes place John chapter 1 says no man has seen God at any time the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father he hath declared him so therefore if you go back to the Old Testament and read every time God appears we call that a theophany Theo is the Greek word for God often means an appearance God appearing or a Christophany Christ appearing if you go back to the Old Testament, every time God appears, he appears in the person of Jesus Christ. Yes, we will probably see the Father in eternity. Uh, that's uh, alluded to from uh, Matthew chapter 5. But from uh, Isaiah 63, Isaiah 63, look at verse 16. Doubtless thou art our Father, though Abraham be ignorant of us. And Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. Hebrews says Jesus is our older brother. And here Jesus is referred to as Israel's Father. But not God the Father. Doubtless thou art our Father. Though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, Elohim art our father our redeemer only one redeemer only one savior jesus christ thy name is from everlasting going back to malachi chapter 5 thou art from everlasting to everlasting 
But you say, is this really in reference to Jesus Christ? Look at verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom? With dyed garments from Bozrah. This that is glorious in his apparel, travelling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Second Advent, Jesus Christ, Israel's everlasting Father, Isaiah chapter 9. He has the keys to hell and, and, hell and death. He's given all power uh, from heaven, Matthew 28. He rules on the new earth. He rules over Israel. And he also rules via New Jerusalem. To the Jew on the new earth, he is their father. Not God the Father. He's their father. And to the church right now, he is our older brother. Look at verse 2. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat? Revelation chapter 19, second advent. I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. And I will stain all my raiment. He comes back on a horse. Revelation 19, we come back with him. He's killing people left, right and centre. He's called the Lord of hosts throughout the Old Testament. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. And I looked, and there was none to help. Nobody needs to help Jesus to save anyone. Hebrews chapter 1 says, uh, by himself he has sat down, he's purged us from our sins. There's no need for anyone else to help him. And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me. Jesus Christ is God's right-hand man, and my fury it upheld me. And I would tread down the people in mine anger, and make them drunk in my fury, and I'll bring down their strength to the earth. So Jesus Christ is Israel's everlasting father. Isaiah chapter 9, he's not God the Father, but he's Israel's everlasting Father. And when Moses spoke to God, Exodus 33, he's speaking to Jesus Christ face to face. But even then, he's only getting a glimpse of the true majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ arrives on the earth, he says to Philip, He that has seen me has seen the Father. But what's the context? Concerning glory, concerning revelation, concerning majesty. Jesus Christ is speaking to the Father. The Father is speaking to Jesus Christ. Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Two different people. Not two parts, two different people. And if people could get this clear in their minds, they could have a greater relationship with the Lord. Wouldn't be tossed to and fro, and wouldn't make such a mess of their relationships with the Lord, their walks with the Lord. So basically, you go back to Genesis, it all starts then, go back to Genesis, it all starts back in the garden with the serpent uh, trying to confuse Eve. Eve is a picture of the church, the church is weak, uh, seduced many times, that's why we are called sheep. And he says one more time, for God doth know that in a day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. You eat bad food, you eat bad fruit, don't be surprised if you get a stomach ache. For God doth know that in a day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And they certainly were. And ye shall be as gods, they certainly were not. Knowing good and evil. So he wants to con uh, cause confusion. And he was able to do so. Not necessarily concerning Adam and Eve receiving this God state 
belief or this belief that they could become like God or gods but in the sense of confusing themselves or confusing them and confusing their understanding of who God actually is and who God actually was and here we are thousands of years later and people are still confused there's no need for it take my advice if you want to have a great 2020 a blessed year a fruitful and productive year read the scriptures sit down if it takes six months 12 months 18 months it doesn't matter read the scriptures allow the scriptures to speak to you get a great blessing and understand one thing how there's only one true eternal god one being but three in person and on top of that to really get closer to the lord <coughs> excuse my voice is almost broken now <laughs> to get closer to the lord you want to really understand his majesty his glory if you sat down with uh john wesley for example and said to him what do you think is the greatest characteristic of almighty god he would say his holiness if you were to ask the same question to calvin he would say his sovereignty but if you were to ask me i would say it was his love his mercy his forgiveness his patience his long suffering he's put up with us for many a year that's what really radiates when it comes to understanding the majesty of almighty god jesus christ wept over jerusalem put up with ridicule rejection from his own friends and family endured the cross despising the shame to really understand the triune god look at jesus study that man matthew mark luke and john read the gospels watch him handle situations watch him answer a question with a question watch him deal with unsaved men women in general see how he dealt with the religious leaders contrast that to the people look how he dealt with the apostles sometimes uh, gentle sometimes a bit more uh, strict and yet each and every time there's a consistency in his character because he is radiating the glory of god moses got a glimpse of that back in exodus but the apostles saw all of it and it could be that moses and abraham got a glimpse of jesus back in genesis and exodus but that's all they got a glimpse the apostles saw everything they walked with him lived with him and of course died with him so just a short video from the open air pulpit it really is mild today it's incredible uh, but it's always good to come up to the open air pulpit and read the scriptures try and dodge and duck the flies the insects this is their domain of course but this video is really on the one hand a rebuke against anti-trinitarians uh, who think and behave as the heathen did back in the old testament infidels back in the old testament they seem to be adopting the spirits of the serpent which is pretty devastating pretty damning and yet people are coming out to this modalist oneness movement praise the lord for that this has also been necessary to make to reaffirm and to strengthen the faith of the brethren who perhaps are being tossed to and fro are perhaps struggling to really understand how to defend the trinity uh, and the deity of the lord jesus christ because once you surrender or once you throw the towel and when it comes to the trinity or the deity or the blood atonements of the lord jesus christ once you surrender those three areas you may as well just quit altogether if there's one thing that sets christianity apart from every other ism sect 
group, religion, philosophy, system on the face of the earth. It is how we have one true eternal God who is found in three distinct persons. And how that one true God in the person of Jesus Christ came to the earth and died for the sins of the world. How he shed his own divine and precious blood. That's how much he loves us. But on top of that, how Jesus Christ radiated the full majesty of Almighty God. He that sees me, he that seeth the Son, he that seeth me, seeth the Father, but he is not the Father. The Father is eternal, Jesus Christ is eternal, the Holy Ghost is eternal. But who is God? What makes him tick? What really makes him so special? What distinguishes him from Allah? Or Buddha? Or anyone else you care to think about? It's his patience. It's his long-suffering it's his forgiveness, it's his justice, that's his glory. And that's what Jesus Christ meant when he said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. Not physically, obviously. He just told you the Father is greater than he is. He just told you how his Father and I are one. He just told you how he came to the will of the Father. He's telling you that when you see him, you see the Father concerning the Father's glory. He's radiating the Father's glory. The apostles saw it. And they were able to also uh, promote the glory of the Lord. And if you are born again, you too should be also radiating and promoting the glory of the Lord. And on that wonderful statement, I will sign out from a beautiful open-air pulpit. Wish you every blessing for 2020. And uh, just keep on looking up. The rapture could come this year. I've been ready 18 years. Can't believe I've been saved 18 years this year. But I'm ready for the rapture. You should be ready for the rapture. Take a defense also when it comes, or defend the rapture also uh, when it comes to that. People are attacking the rapture as well. But more importantly, they are attacking our great triune God. One in being, three in person, and it's unacceptable. And those of us which are born again need to push back against this uh, oneness Unitarianism and reaffirm the uh, mono monotheist uh, Trinitarian belief how there's only one God again found in three distinct and divine persons and I will sign out wish you every blessing may the Lord bless you all throughout 2020 and uh, thanks for joining me from a very warm <laughs> mild and glorious open-air pulpits amen and amen